What's up, y'all? It's Mace Blanco on 610 from G's to Millions. I don't need clout the podcast. Make sure you check us out on I don't need clout podcast.com and all other podcast streaming platforms. Let's get into it. All right, y'all. Episode 19. I appreciate y'all rocking with me this far. Today, we're talking about the arrest made in the 27 year old cold case for the murder of Tupac Shakur. All right. So the shooting happened on September 7th, 1996. And investigators are just now in 2023 getting enough evidence to make the first arrest on the case. And listen, I think I speak for all fans, all Tupac fans, when I say we never thought we would see this day. I didn't know this investigation was even still a thing. I didn't know anyone was still looking into this. But always keep in mind, there's no statute of limitations on murder. You could get caught for a murder 60 years from now. It wouldn't matter. They would still charge you. So that's kind of what's happening here. But with the twist. Because the arrest that was made was someone that was in the car was an accessory to murder. I heard Orlando Anderson, the shooter of Tupac Shakur, he actually died by the gun as well. Homicide detectives confirmed that he was drunk one night. He went to the burger place across the street. He saw another gang member who owed his gang some money. They started getting into it. He tried to press him, ended up pulling out his gun and shooting. And the gang actually returned fire and killed him. And he was confirmed dead on the scene. All right, so I'm going to show y'all this is the car that tupac was in that got shot up where he was murdered tupac didn't die at the scene though he was taken to a hospital he was in an induced coma until unfortunately succumbed to his injuries now over here on the right this is keefe d he was riding in the car in the passenger seat of the car that was the shooters in a white cadillac so this is the breakdown of the car as we know it we have t brown in the driver's seat we have keefe d in the passenger seat then behind the driver we have dre and then on the right passenger side back seat we have orlando anderson known as baby lane and here's a better drawing of the car and where everybody was positioned in the car and where tupac and suge were in their car that got shot up and this is really crazy that the story has finally come out from a first-hand witness who was in the car with the shooter because yo there's been hours and hours of documentaries breaking down this whole situation speculating on all these different possible situations that could have happened involved in tupac's death so we're not going to spend hours on this of course but i'll give you a quick summary and breakdown of what's going on as far as what happened and what's happening now a lot of speculation was around suge knight having tupac set up but if you're looking at that diagram and you see where they were sitting in the car and you break down the situation and you get the testimony from the first-hand witnesses people that were there law enforcement that arrived on the scene people that survived the bodyguards who exchanged gunfire with the shooters you can almost start to piece this story together from everybody's perspective but even if we didn't know what happened exactly if you look at the situation it's obvious that suge had nothing to do with that the detectives actually said they debunked that in the very beginning suge was not a suspect almost immediately and i think the most obvious reason that that stands out that he's not the uh, a suspect at all is that he got shot in the head and survived it i got shot in the head i got sprayed some other places but I still got the bullet in my head. It's still there. But for as trying to get him to the hospital didn't make me realize that I was shot. There's no way that you would set up for someone else to be murdered and you plan to be right next to them in the line of fire. That's just first and foremost. I'm not going to get into everything, but there's no way that Suge had anything to do with the intentions of getting Tupac shot. Another rumor is that this is a paid hit from P. Diddy. As you know, Tupac and Biggie had the East Coast, West Coast beef going on. And that actually is still on the table as a possibility, but 
We'll see how that plays out. Then again, like I said, the East Coast, West Coast beef, that opened up the doors to assuming that this murder could have been a hit from anybody. And lastly, another rumor that has been completely debunked, probably the stupidest of rumors, is that Tupac faked his death and that he was living out in Cuba somewhere, just living out the rest of his days as some regular guy in Cuba. Like, yo, that was a legit rumor. But 27 years ago, we knew that wasn't true off the off the rip. But the situation that made the most sense, at least to detectives, was that this was some kind of gang retaliation or some kind of gang war with the Southside Crips from Compton, California. So back to the car situation, Keefe D was in the car in a white Cadillac. It was a rental that they had got to be out there for the Mike Tyson fight in Las Vegas. And since the car exchanged gunfire when they pulled up and shot at Tupac's car, the death row bodyguards exchanged fire into the Cadillac. So Keefe D and the Southside Crips, they actually got the car repainted the same color and had it fixed before they sent the rental back in LA. And you would think that would be enough evidence, but the the part that the detectives explained that was difficult about this case was that everybody was just in town for the weekend for the Mike Tyson fight. Keefe D was from California. They said one of the other guys was from New York. By the end of the weekend, all of their possible witnesses already left the city. So this really isn't your regular homicide investigation. This is huge. This is Tupac. And you would think with the detectives kind of knowing who was in that car, at least knowing one person that was in that white Cadillac, which with some detective work, I'm sure you could figure out who got the rental car at minimum, there would start to be a trail that you could follow. But what finally sealed the deal on this case, like we see all the time with the newer generations, it happened to Keefe D, who's 60 years old right now. He was talking too much online. He was self-snitching. He was literally incriminating himself to tell the story. And like I said, there's no statute of limitations on murder. That's something you want to take to the grave with you. That's not something that you want to sell a story that you go on some kind of journalist platform and talk about it to maybe get a few dollars you're literally risking your freedom just from speaking on a situation that you don't have to speak on and ironically enough a lot of the self-incriminating footage from interviews actually comes from vlad tv and listen vlad gets so much hate but i have a lot of personal respect for vlad he's really a pioneer of youtube content creation I think he got on YouTube in like 2006 or 2008. By 2008, he was dropping, I think it was eight clips a day. So you do the math. He has so much content out here over the years, the whole uh, evolution of the internet. Vlad is a pioneer of this shit. And in my opinion, it wasn't just like Vlad being in the right place at the right time when the internet was taken off like it was for video and for YouTube. I really think he's one of the best journalists that I've ever seen. As far as asking the questions that a journalist would ask, something that the people want to hear. He's just like an avid hip hop fan and his interests and people that he's had the chance to interview is just across the spectrum. It's been amazing. So I can't hate on Vlad. I'm a fan of Vlad. I look up to Vlad. I admire him. I'll explain the hate towards Vlad in another video, but I just had to give my respects because Vlad is sturdy. Now, like I said, with him being a skilled journalist, if he asks you questions that the, that he's interested in, that he would like to know, and that the people would want to know, it's still your responsibility to not incriminate yourself on an interview. I know Vlad makes people feel comfortable when they get on his platform, but you got to be smart. Vlad doesn't know your history. That's why he's asking. And a lot of the time, the questions Vlad has is about things that you've already projected out to the world. He's not just having random people on the show and asking them incriminating questions. If rappers are rapping about robberies and their upbringing and things like that, Vlad's just going to ask the question like, what was 
you know, life for you as a teenager when you were talking about all this in the music? Can you go into that in more detail? And boom, from there, if you self-incriminate from, you know, your interview, I feel like that's your responsibility as the person that's, you know, being interviewed. But yeah, bro, I don't I don't care what the public perception is about Vlad. I respect Vlad. I'm going to play y'all a clip of what he says about this when asked to give up the Keefe D footage that he had or risking being subpoenaed in court. I'm going to let him tell you. Have they reached out to you about any of your footage? I will give you the exclusive on this. Uh, they actually have tried. I've gotten a bunch of phone calls and emails and stuff like that, uh, but I'm not cooperating with this. I'm assuming what they want is the uncut version. Right? Correct. Okay, just to see if there was anything talked about. Correct. Yeah, but, but, but my thing, and I've always held this stance when it comes to people uh, that interview on my platform, I'm not going to have you come to my platform and do an interview only to then work against you yeah. with the police. Regardless of what people think that I really do, the reality of what I do. And, and I've had to do this before. I remember this one time they tried to seize this one interview of someone who asked me to take it down like the next day because okay. they were fighting a case at the time. Their lawyer asked me to take him down. They then wanted to get the footage uh, from me. And I said, no. And they were like, well, we're going to put you on stand, whatever. We're going to subpoena you. And like, all right, well, I'm lawyering up then. Mm -hmm. So my lawyer got involved and they weren't able to get it. And, you know, ultimately the guy ended up losing his case anyways but yeah. we weren't involved in it so <clears throat> if you interview on my platform if the police then try to approach me on it i'm always going to say no and i think bottom line keefy d just got way too comfortable in his situation if you ain't been caught for a murder that happened 27 years ago why would you still be talking about that like respectfully why would you bring that up why would that be in conversation 27 years later and i reference our rights as Americans sometime on my show, but bro, we have the fifth amendment right to not self-incriminate like protection from self-incrimination. You don't have to say anything. All of the law, legal investigation, homicide detectives, questions, phone wiretapping, all of this stuff was so far in the past. Why would you open that back up to do a Vlad TV interview about the Tupac murder? Cause Vlad's going to keep it real. Vlad interviewed so many different perspectives of of people that were at the scene as a witness or someone that heard the shots or someone that seen the fight that popped off before they all departed and went their separate ways. Like Vlad really got every angle of the story and he read Keefe D's book and he was asking him direct quotes from the book, having him like expand on the details. And the other thing I can't respect about Keefe D and his involvement in this situation and him advertising the situation, trying to profit from him while getting himself locked up with the self-incriminating interviews. It's the fact that he spoke on this with the feds to try to get out of a drug case. Like I watched the interviews of the investigators. They said that Keefe D was willing to wear a wire to try to catch the, the other guys, the, the real shooter, to basically try to get him out of that drug bus as well. So like I said, right now, Keefe D is the only living person from the people that were in that white Cadillac that shot Tupac and Suge. And what's crazy, if you really analyze this situation and you think about how dumb it was for Keefe D to even speak on any of this, when he talks about it, he said he pulled up alongside of the car that Suge and Tupac were in and he locked eyes with Tupac and he saw Suge and Suge saw him. And you think about him doing these interviews and profiting from this, you have to think about it, right? If Suge saw him, if, if Suge locked eyes with him at the light, that means Suge knows who shot Tupac and who was in the car. And Suge Knight never said a word about it. 
And some people would say that's just being solid. You're not ever supposed to cooperate with law enforcement when you're from the streets. But I think that Suge also knew that if he spoke about it, he would be really interrogated about it and it would self-incriminate him as well. But Suge really doesn't seem like the type that's going to cooperate. I'm not going to lie to you. But overall, this is just a sad story of where conflict leads to gun violence. But as always, I want to go ahead and highlight the things that we can learn from this situation. When I first saw what kind of led up to the shooting where Pac fought, you know, one of the rival gang members, the Southside Crips, or they jumped him. I'm not going to lie. It really reminded me of the King Vaughn situation because Tupac was kind of the aggressor in, in, in the fight that led up to the shooting. And Vaughn was the aggressor in the fight with Quando Rondo. But they also said police had gunfire in that shootout as well. And the police bullets killed King Vaughn. So that's what's on document, bro. I mean, I seen the video. It didn't look like that, but that's what's documented. So that's what it is. But as this story unfolds for the Tupac murder, I think the takeaways here are don't put yourself in other people's situations. A lot of the time with men, fist fights or somebody being jumped definitely more often than not leads to somebody being shot and killed. See, as men, a lot of the time we have pride and we have ego. When you get your ass kicked, that shit's going to hurt your ego, especially if it was in front of a lot of people. Like your life is way more at risk right now after the fact and we know somebody with a fragile ego is more likely to kill you than somebody that is secure with themselves some people real old school they could take an old-fashioned ass whooping call it a day and move on with their life but some people just have that fragile ego where they're going to want to retaliate by any means and that's really what this sounds like to me it sounds like some kind of get back for the fight that happened before that it seems like that would only make sense and matching up all the testimonies and everybody's story and the witnesses and keefy d pretty much explaining everything step by step this definitely seems like a situation that could have been avoided had tupac not interjected himself into some beef starting an altercation with the Southside crips so try to at least extract the lessons here like i said overall sad situation rest in peace to everybody that was involved so be careful be safe make good decisions this is i don't need clout the podcast episode 19 i'll see you next time i'll see you on the other side